This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, covering much of central Illinois. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember, the show is brought to you by you, and so any donations that you can make to our uh, station would be greatly appreciated. You can reach us at catholicspiritradio.com. That's our website. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. And it'll tell you a lot more about us there and also give you information on how to make a donation if you're able to do so. Anything large or small would be appreciated. If you want to call us, our number is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427. You can reach us there. We're going to have a great show for you today, as I said, and we're we're really glad to be back. My wife and I have been gone here for Ever. seven Saturdays. It seems like forever. Uh, we, my wife, came down with COVID about mid-November, and right after her, I came down with it. And by the time we've got over the COVID, and then recovered to the point where we felt strong enough to do anything, uh, it was just about Christmas. And so we took off uh, the, the Christmas weekend and New Year's weekend. And so the whole thing stretched out into about seven uh, shows that we missed. And so we're really glad to be back. And uh, we had some very, very cold weather during that time. And then again, it turned warm. And then now it's back to being cold again. And they say it's going to turn warm again. So everything's going up and down like a yo-yo. And uh, we're glad to be back. We hope maybe things straighten out and steady out and become a little bit more steady. So uh, at any rate, uh, we're going to talk about a number of things today. We, we were, of course, missing some masses uh, because of the COVID and our recovery time and so forth. So I'm going to do a show a little bit, uh, uh, talk on uh, when, it's, uh, when it's permissible to miss mass and not, and I'll get to that in a minute. My wife is going to talk a little bit about Pope uh, Benedict, of course, uh, who passed away here recently at 95 years old. So she's going to talk about him. I, we both think that he was a very great pope himself and a scholar and a very nice and decent person. Uh, and so we'll talk a little bit about that before we start as well. So at this point, I want to wish everybody uh, <laughs> sort of a belated uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year because we weren't here and we missed our Christmas show and all of that is always a nice thing to do. Uh, and we're bound to get uh, to that again uh, maybe later or next year. Uh, some of the things to do with those kind of things. At any rate, I'm going to turn this over to my wife and let her take it uh, from here. She's going to talk a little bit about uh, Pope Benedict. And uh, uh, so go ahead, Lynn. And Okay. Pope Benedict was born Joseph Ratzinger. And he was born in April of 1927 in Germany, right on the border of uh, Austria. It's the area that would be known as Bavaria, right in there. 
beautiful place. If you've seen the sound of music, the the um, filming of it, and the Bavarian Alps and stuff, that's where he grew up. When he was growing up, his father was a policeman and his mother was at home with the, the kids. He had a, a brother and a sister. His brother was also a priest. In fact, they were ordained at the same time, right after the war. His theological vocation, after he was ordained, he uh, was a professor and taught at the University of Rosenberg. He became the dean and vice rector. He became a full professor of theology at the University of Munich and then later taught at uh, Rosenberg. He could speak eight languages fluently. He wrote 60 books. Yeah, he was a very scholarly oh, person. very, very. And that's what he wanted to do with his life, but God had other plans. He became the Archbishop of Munich in 1977 and was ordained a bishop, of course. He was the first diocesan priest in 80 years to take on the pastoral governance of Bavaria. He became a cardinal by Pope Paul VI. He was at all of the Vatican II conferences, played a big role in that. He was kind of leaned towards the uh, liberal side for a while. And then after the Vatican, you know, during that process, he became a very staunch conservative. And he wanted to conserve everything in within the church as it was. And this is uh, reflected, too, in his role as president of the commission for drafting the Catechism of the Catholic Church. He spent six years of his intense work doing that. And as you remember, that was under John Paul II that the Catechism, they developed it and put it, published it. He, until his election to the chair of Peter, Cardinal Ratzinger was a member of the Council of the Second Section of the Secretariat of State of the Congregation for Oriental Churches for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments. He, uh, presided over the College of Cardinals' deliberations during the vacancy of the Holy See following the death of John Paul. On Tuesday, the 19th of April, Cardinal Ranziger was elected the 265th Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It selected the name Benedict, and it's kind of interesting why. Benedict of Nursa, of course, is a patron of Europe, and... Benedict the Fifteenth reigned as Pope in 1905 and into the uh, the First World War, and he Benedict the Fifteenth was one who tried warning the world about the uh, modernization of the times. Yeah, Benedict was pretty much of a traditionalist. That's for sure. He was very orthodox, very traditional, and uh, he was actually a very gentle man, wasn't he? Really, Lynn. He was, but you know, he didn't appear that way. I remember when he was first elected Pope and seeing him, not knowing anything about him, I thought he had a reputation as being the Rottweiler of uh, John Paul II. He's the one that did, kind of like, did the 
the hard work, the, the disciplination, you know, disciplinary work for John Paul II. I thought, well, he's going to be a kind of hard one to deal with. Yeah, he was put in charge of the abuse scandal and had to handle all of that. And uh, he was very dutiful. He did his duty. And he got this reputation, I think, in the news media as being this, uh, you know, Pope's uh, uh, John Paul II's Rottweiler. And I think that was a mislabel because he looked sort of mean. His, he just had a the way his uh, mouth was formed and his face and so forth. Sort of, but he wasn't that way at all. He was a very scholarly man. He was gentle, but he was determined to do his duty as he saw that you know what he had to do and so forth. And uh, he carried that out, and he got that label. And I think it was you know one of those things where people get a label that really doesn't belong. Right. In fact, he reinstated several papal papal garments, including the red shoes. Popes always wore red shoes to remind them they are standing in in the place of martyrs. Exactly. The blood of martyrs is what it reminds them of. And they're standing, you know, in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the place of people who gave their lives to make it possible for them to be where they are. Right. And he also wore a red, uh, hat, which was usually worn, uh, reminded of when a cardinal becomes a cardinal, they take on some vestments of red to remind them also that they are there till death to support the church. They have, you know, they're supposed to give up their life if they have to. So he reinstated a lot of that in the papal robes. He resigned in 2013, and it wasn't until this week that some uh, his death and burial that we found out that he had a pacemaker, had had several strokes, and was not really a well man. That's why he was part of the reason why he, he resigned. He just couldn't keep it up. Did you know that he had a pilot's license? And sometimes flew the papal helicopter to his summer residence, and he never learned to drive a car. I think that's very fascinating. Yes, it is. No, no, I didn't really know that, uh, that mm-hmm. he did, and uh, it, 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 it does seem, again, like I say, he was his whole dream was to be retire and to teach and spend time in the university and be a scholarly person, write books and so forth. That's what he really wanted to do. And instead, of course, uh you know, God handed him uh, a lot of burdens that were far different than that, and uh, he was dedicated enough, I think, that he was w- willing to and wanted to try to carry out those burdens. So it seems to me, uh, you know, his, his resignation was was something that uh, would have to be almost forced on him from by circumstance before he would do something like that. Yeah, he was the oldest person to be elected pope. Since in 1730. That's interesting. He played the piano quite well. He's a very accomplished musician, as was his brother. Uh, he especially liked playing Beethoven and Mozart. Those were his favorites. You know, when he was a boy, he had uh, the Nazis, of course, war, and the Nazis took over and came into his area where he lived. His parish priest was beaten one morning before Mass, 
and he apparently observed that. He was well aware of the Nazis and, and their goals. But at 14, his, his cousin, who was also a 14-year-old, had Down syndrome, and the Nazis took him away, and he was done away with because they had to have that pure Aryan race without any any defects. So his cousin, he was he was aware of that too. He knew what was going on. But at fourteen, all kids had to join the Hitler Youth movement, and he did. You know, not against his will, but he, you know, that, that's the way it was. He was also made to serve in the uh, army, and he deserted. <laughs> and when the Americans took over Germany, their section, he was put in a prison camp for a short time. I didn't know that about him either. I know that the press tried to, a lot of the press tried to make much out of this idea that, uh, you know, he was in the Hitler Youth and that he was in a German army and so forth. Uh, you know, they had this picture of him as being this, you know, Rottweiler-type person and of course, he was very traditional and orthodox, and I think that uh, rubbed uh, the uh, liberal press, the modernist press, the wrong way. And so I think there were, you know, the, these ideas built up about him and, uh, you know, being a very different kind of person than he really was. People should realize that uh, in that time, your parents— could they could lose they would lose their jobs and often they would be imprisoned or even killed if they didn't put their children in the Hitler Youth. So I mean there was tremendous pressure uh, for that to happen and there was you know there's nothing to that. I mean the idea that somehow or another he was a Nazi, you know, got sort of like spread around under the you know the the uh, over the transom or under the door so to speak in a way and uh, th- that was very very wrong. Right. Uh, before he was elected Pope, he was named by Time magazine as being one of the most influential people in the world. That's quite a thing to be known, you know, to have that recognition. He was a good man. He did his best. His contribution to the catechism of the Catholic Church, really, that was his work. Most of it, his work. He's done so much. Eight languages, 60 books. The biggest one of the books is Jesus of Nazareth. So, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I wanted to bring up, it just started, you know, last year, the uh, last two years, Father Mike has been uh, doing the Bible in a year. This year he's doing the Catechism. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. Go to uh, Ascension Press and bring it up catechism of the year and you can roll no fee for it you don't have to buy their catechism you use your own it's really quite interesting i started doing it that's my take on former pope yeah he was uh, like i say quite a quite a quite a man and quite a pope and he did get like i say a, a, a wrong reputation i think in the liberal press uh as being some kind of a you know, a mean spirit type of person. I mean, it does not fit his personality at all in any way. And uh, 
he was a very loving, kind, gentle person who felt uh, that he had to do his job, and he did his duty as a Catholic and saw that uh, he was in, he was he loved the church, supported the church, and supported the tradition and teachings of the church, and did his job as he saw fit and 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 did it well. Right and, for a man that all he wanted to do was retire and go back to Bavaria and teach or write play his piano. He tried to resign at least three times and Pope John Paul would not allow it. That's true because he was very necessary because he, he was the kind of person who could do that the work. At any rate, we're going to have to stop here and take a break. And so stay with us. We'll be right back and we're going to talk a little bit about when is it permissible to miss Mass on Sunday. And uh, it's an interview with uh, Bishop uh, Athanasius Snyder. And, of course, Bishop Snyder is also a very uh, orthodox and traditional uh, prelate. And that's because, in fact, he's named after a very orthodox and traditional prelate who lived in the 4th century. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more. 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in Central and Northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word. Got an old vehicle taking up space in your garage or rusting outside? Catholic Spirit Radio would love to have it. Turn your worn-out vehicle into a donation. Simply call 866-628-CARS or go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. My wife and I were talking about uh, Pope Benedict the uh, 16th, and uh, of course he passed away just recently here at the age of 95, and uh, was, uh, in my opinion, a very good Pope, really, and uh, there were a lot of circumstances uh, be- around his resignation. We still don't know everything, probably, and more things will come out, but a very, very interesting person, a very, very uh, uh he was a holy kind man. and holy person who loved the church and who took his job and his duties seriously and uh, wanted nothing in his life except mostly to be a scholar and do scholarly work, retire in the university, and instead had to handle a lot of very, very tough problems and uh, could not really retire because he was so necessary to John Paul II. John Paul needed him, and uh, he did that work and then was elected pope and because of health and other reasons, he retired. Like I say, probably, or didn't retire, but resigned. And probably more things will come out about that. 
but uh, he was not uh, at all the kind of person that some in the media suggested that he was this sort of Rottweiler, you know, type of person, uh, the, you know, sort of a hitman for Pope John, uh, the John Paul II that uh, went around and those kind of things. Totally wrong about him. And he did have a look, uh, of course, uh, just uh, his features on his face made him look sort of meanish and uh, <laughs> probably a little bit uh, different than uh, the kind man that he was. So, right. last words out of his mouth, right before his last breath, were, Lord, I love thee. Yes. So, at any rate, uh, I want to talk a little bit here uh, about uh, missing mass. Uh, on Sunday, of course, my wife and I were uh, yeah, we got a for, guilty conscience, sort of missed mass because of uh, the COVID. And then when we recovered from it, uh, there was also a period of time there when you weren't sure really uh, whether you should go because maybe you know you were still uh, you might carry it or give it to someone else. And you know you you can get in your mind you are you using that as an excuse or. Uh, also, you after getting over it, you're sort of tired and draggy and and so forth. And so it makes you think about it. And I happened to pick up this uh, article in uh, the Remnant newspaper, and it's an interview by the editor of the Remnant uh, with uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and uh, it's in the December fifteenth. 2022 edition of the newspaper if anyone wants to go to it and look at it and the title of it is when is it permissible to miss mass on sunday eight questions for bishop snyder and uh bishop snyder is a very very uh conservative uh, if you want to call it that traditionalist uh, orthodox uh, catholic and uh he is from uh, kazakhstan and uh stands a lot for orthodoxy uh, the name Athanasius, his first name Athanasius Snyder, is taken from uh, a bishop of the 4th century, Bishop Athanasius, who stood against, uh, back at that time there was a heresy going around called the Arian heresy, which was started by a priest named Arius in Egypt. And the idea was is that Christ was uh, the greatest of creatures, but nevertheless Christ was a creature. Like other human beings, he was not, you know, totally divine. And although the greatest of creatures, uh, there was a time when he was not. And this was the whole idea that somehow Christ came into being. And if something comes into being, that something is contingent upon something else, just as we are, or things in this world are. And so, therefore, you know, he could not be truly God. And uh, so this heresy was going around, Many in the church was the church was split. Many in the church, uh, you know, sided with the bishop uh, Arius or the priest rather Arius, and against uh, Athanasius. And so Athanasius, uh, in fighting this heresy, got the title of uh, uh, Athanasius uh, contra Munda, and that meant uh, Athanasius against the world. And because of the trouble that was going on, Athanasius was uh, exiled in a way to, back at that time, what was a wilderness, and that was France. <laughs> not, the France not the France that we know now, and not that part of France even that was very well, that was you know, civilized even back then, but to the wilderness area and so forth. And nevertheless, he didn't give up. 
And even though he died before the Arian heresy was was uh, settled, it was settled, and it was settled, of course, in Athanasius' favor. So you get here, Michael Matt is interviewing uh, Bishop uh, Athanasius Snyder from sort of a traditionalist, orthodox, uh, conservative position in the Catholic Church today. And so he's asking some questions that are sort of aimed at some of the modernist tendencies that are going on in the church. And uh, some of the answers might be a little bit sharp. But nevertheless, Bishop Snyder, Mathanasius Snyder, is a uh, very able person when it comes to understanding canon law. And he gives some very good answers to the questions of, you know, when, when is it permissible to miss Mass? And so with this season going on, uh, around the Christmas season and wintertime and with colds and flu and uh, other COVID. things, COVID, and also maybe visitation, traveling, and the bad weather and all the like, when is it, uh, you know, okay to miss Mass? And uh, he gives some good answers, and so you can take these to heart when you have to make a decision along those lines, and I thought it would be interesting at this time of year. So let's go into that article, and uh, um, Michael J. Matt, the editor of of The Remnant, is asking here, he says, uh, first, generally speaking, when is it permissible for a faithful Catholic to miss Mass on Sunday? And Bishop Snyder answers, he says, the obligation to assist at Mass on Sunday is a law of the church that is a positive law and not a divine law. So the the difference between, of course, divine law, divine law would be like the, the natural law that flows you know, from the divinity of God and, and Christ. And positive law is the law that we as human beings put forth, you know, given the authority to do that. And, of course, the Catholic Church was given the authority by Jesus Christ. He founded it, uh, and it was given the authority to pass such laws as this and so this is a church law and it doesn't come from Christ himself he didn't de- declare that uh, it's necessary uh, to go to a ma- ma- mass on Sunday and so forth but he gave that kind of a responsibility and authority to his church uh, he, he said I found my church and of course and he finally found the church on the rock of uh, Peter and uh, the church then is given the authority to regulate how it's to be run. And the positive law, of course, then is that we should attend church on Sunday. It goes on here. He says, the divine law of the third commandment obliges us uh, to sanctity. That is, to rest and keep holy the Lord's day. And uh, it says here, see Exodus 20.10 and 31.14. We take special care to set apart some fixed time when disengaged from bodily labor and worldly affairs, we may devote our whole being, soul and body, to the religious veneration of God. Servile works, heavy physical work, are lawful on Sundays when the honor of God, the good of our neighbor, or urgent necessity requires them. So, you know, if you were working in a, in a profession such as nursing or being a doctor or doing something on Sunday that is, uh, you know, honorable to God and, uh, 
uh, it helps your neighbor. It, it helps your neighbor and is doing you know good to your neighbor. It's a necessity for the community, and uh, urgent necessity requires them. Then it is lawful on you know, on Sundays you know to do that, and you could miss mass in, in order to do that. It is lawful on Sundays to seek relaxation of body and mind, for this is the means of renewing one's strength after one's work is done. So. It goes on here, he said, Michael Matt asks, he says, take for example, if I am on vacation with my family and the only mass available to us is 150 miles away, am I obliged before God to attend? And, you know, that's a long, long way to go and you're on vacation, is it necessary? Uh, and how far, you know, how, how, how much of a, of a trip uh, would, have to, would it have to be before you could miss and so on? And that's the question that uh, Michael Matt is asking. And Bishop Snyder says, assistance at Mass. Uh, let me get here to. It's an interesting question because when I was a kid at home, we went on vacation to Missouri in the Bible Belt. And uh, came Sunday morning, my dad drove. For two and a half hours, we never did find a Catholic church, but he was bound and determined we were going to go to Mass. Well, I'd say he put in a very, very good effort, and I would have to guess that Bishop Snyder would certainly say he was excused excused from Mass on that day and did everything he could to try, you know. So, Mm -hmm. uh, anyhow, he says... uh, Uh, Attending Mass, uh, Bishop Snyder uh, says, is obligatory except for a grave cause. And he says, and and that's Canon uh, 1247 and Canon 1248 of the Code of Canon Law. In other cases where exceptions are more easily admitted, Canon Law speaks of a just cause. There is the canonical and moral principle which says uh, nobody is obliged to do the impossible. And also the principle that a positive ecclesiastical law does not oblige with grave inconvenience. So he's saying here that uh, you're not required to do the impossible, obviously, if you can't get to Mass because of some something blocking you from being able to do it at all, then you're not obliged to go. And also, if there's a grave inconvenience, you know, a really serious inconvenience, you're not obliged to go to Mass either. Because remember... The requirement to attend Mass is a positive law by the church. It's not a divine law. So there are exceptions to it. So it's, you don't have to go out of your way to the point where uh, it's really, you know, it just simply unreasonable to do so. Uh, it goes here, it says that uh, uh, if the attendance at Sunday Mass requires disproportionate, objective, great inconveniences, one is dispensed from the law. These inconveniences could be, as in our case, excessively long travels. The calculation of the distance of the miles depends on the quality of the roads, the transportation means, in other words, your own financial situation and your own security. It is difficult to, indi- to indicate the exact number of miles. It all depends on, you know, what, what you have for transportation. Is your car in good shape? Uh, might you break down? Are the roads good? What's the weather like outside? And so forth. And then you have to make a judgment. In other words, 
will I be seriously inconvenienced and the people with me, will they be seriously inconvenienced by trying to do this? And is it maybe unreasonable to put this much of a burden on myself or others to get the Mass? And, and you just have to make a good judgment. And the Church is with you. It's not going to hold you responsible if you think that it's it's a pretty grave inconvenience. Like in your dad's case, Lynn, driving around. I mean, he didn't know even where there was one. And uh, driving around for two and a half hours is, is, is pretty much of a, an inconvenience. Probably if you drove around for an hour looking for or asking and so forth and couldn't find a mask, that would have been sufficient. But uh, he put in a little bit more time than yeah. that. So each person has to decide for themselves, you know, what the, what the inconvenience would be. Yeah, this is before the Internet. You just didn't go online and find out when yeah. masses are where. Exactly. But you do have to make an effort, and that's what uh, Bishop Snyder right, was talking right. about. So, and then uh, <clears throat> Michael J. Matt, the editor of The Remnant, goes on. He says, if I am sick but not dying, just coughing and miserable, as both Lynn and I were. <laughs> we were coughing, believe me, sneezing, and we were both pretty miserable. First her, and then about halfway through hers, I got it also, so... Uh, when hers ended, mine was still in the middle, and so on. And uh, it goes on, just coughing and miserable. Am I obliged to attend Mass? Or in that case, am I obliged not to attend Mass out of my charitable concern for the health of my fellow parishioners? And that's something you have to take into consideration. And I would say even in travel, then you'd have to take that into consideration. You know, if you were traveling and you were capable of making the distance, but if someone was with you that maybe was was frail or had some other problem or they were sick or they were, you know, whatever the case might be, it could be because you would be obliged not to try and travel too far at all to go to a mass because you would be putting them in danger. And it's the same thing with your being sick. If you go to mass and you have the flu or the COVID or even a serious uh, cough that you could spread, you have to take into consideration the damage you might do and the harm you might do to your fellow parishioners. Right. Or if you were a cancer patient on uh, chemotherapy or something, you have to consider spreading it to them or they, you know, putting themselves in a position where they could pick up something. Right. Or even harming yourself to the extent that you put a burden on other people. So these are the kind of things you need to take into consideration. And he goes on here, he says about, uh, he says, in this case, you are not obliged to attend Mass. In other words, if you are sick, but you're not dying, and you're coughing and so forth, you're obliged not to attend. I mean, that, your obligation is is don't go and put other people in danger. If you are just coughing... You are not obliged to avoid the attendance of Mass because you can be coughing for various reasons, maybe an allergy or, or just a very slight cough that you can cover and, and not bother other people. So just ha- just a cough by itself wouldn't be something. But if you know that you are incapable of spreading disease or uh, along those lines, then you have an obligation to not go. I mean, no matter how much you want to go, your obligation is the opposite. He goes, yet you are morally obliged to take some security health measures in order not to spread uh, the, the contagion. So you need to take those measures. And even if you go to church with just a slight cough, you know, in other words, uh, cover the cough, take uh, Kleenex and so forth with you, uh, make sure that you don't do what you can 
not to spread uh, something even that's very minor. And he goes on, Michael J. Matt says, uh, here at the Remnant, we are frequently approached by faithful Catholics who do not wish to miss Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of obligation, but who also find the Mass at their local parish to be so riddled with abuses that they feel in good conscience they must not expose their children to it. Are they, in fact, justified in missing Mass on Sunday in order to protect their children? There are, in modern times here, uh, some Masses that are simply not following properly the liturgy in introducing things that uh, a lot of serious and uh, traditional and very orthodox Catholics are concerned about and worry about their children. Are they, are they obligated to attend Mass under those conditions? And, uh, you know, maybe not to spread bad ideas or what they think is a misuse uh, of the liturgy or uh, misuse of the Mass itself uh, to set a bad example for their children. Are they entitled to avoid Mass? So we're going to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back and answer that. Because uh, today there are quite a few instances where there are deviations from the proper liturgy in the Mass. How far must that deviation be? before you are able to say, I'm not going to go to that Mass, and how, how much do you have to look for some other place to go? So let us come back and answer that uh, after our break. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Got an old vehicle taking up space in your garage or rusting outside? Catholic Spirit Radio would love to have it. Turn your worn-out vehicle into a donation. Simply call 866-628-CARS or go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in Central and Northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89 FM. Help spread the word. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more. 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break and we're talking about missing Mass on Sunday. When is it permissible and under, you know, what circumstances? When are you obligated to go to Mass and when are you obligated not to go to Mass under the right conditions as we've talked about? And uh, this is from an interview by Michael J. Matt of the publication The Remnant with uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, a very traditionalist uh, Orthodox uh, bishop from Kazakhstan and a, a very knowledgeable person with canon law, and he's answering these questions. And the last question that we're con- concerned about is here is Michael Matt is asking, what about masses in which the priest, uh, because of various ideas, is deviating from the liturgy in such a way that the person feels that it's, uh, <clears throat> it's too far of a deviation uh, 
and that it's setting a bad example and he's not going to attend that mass. And Bishop Snyder says that in such a situation, if uh, your observations are sincere and uh, you're not using it, you know, as an excuse to miss mass or just because you may not happen to like that priest or uh, it's not uh, something that uh, you're used to maybe in your last parish or at the priest uh, before you, if you're sincere about it, and there really is a deviation and, and uh, something that isn't proper with the liturgy or with what the priest is doing. It said, in such a situation, you would be justified in, in, in missing Mass. However, you must seek another place of Sunday Mass. And, uh, you know, you have to do this sincerely. And it could be that, uh, uh, you know, the first time that this happens and you decide not to go, Maybe you don't have anything in mind and uh, you can't find anything uh, on a spot. But over time, you should be looking then and finding another parish or another place to go or making plans where even if it's somewhat inconvenient, you can uh, go to another mass. Uh, he goes on here. Michael Matt says, some years ago, I heard, heard the late great Count Neri Capone, a canon lawyer, give a speech on this question. He cited the canon which, and I'm paraphrasing, makes an allowance for those who believe their faith to be undermined by attending a given liturgy for some reason. In that case, argued Count Capone, a person would be allowed to seek refuge even in the Orthodox liturgy to satisfy Sunday obligation. Is this, in fact, one of the provisions of the 1983 Code of Canon Law? And if so, do you agree with uh, Count Capone's conclusion? In other words, a Catholic, you know, can go to an Orthodox Mass, and the Orthodox uh, are capable of giving communion, and a Catholic is capable of receiving it. Of course, there has to be a very good reason for that. And also, you should, as I understand it at any rate, get permission before you attend that mass from uh, you know the 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 the, the priest of that uh, particular orthodox parish uh, so that uh, you know you're to receive the sacrament right, to receive the sacrament you need to get permission they can come to our church the orthodox and they can receive the sacrament in the you know the roman catholic church without any special permission. But we are supposed to, if we attend their church and receive the sacrament, to get permission, because we're not completely in communion with each other, even though we are to a great extent. So, But this is, uh, under those circumstances, this is Bishop Snyder's answer. He says, Canon 844, Section 2, says that in order to receive the sacraments from a non-Catholic minister in whose church the sacraments are valid, it is necessary that any danger of doctrinal indifferentism is avoided. Now, that would mean that, uh, you know, you, you have to not be indifferent to the fact that this is not the Roman Catholic Church and you are not really in communion with that church. You can't let that go. And he goes on, he says, Yet in my view, such a permission has an exceptional character and in a con concrete singular case, and not during a longer period of time uh, up going. In other words, if, if, if you do this like one time because of a certain circumstance and so forth, it would be okay. But if you will do it habitually or for a long time, you will put your Catholic faith in danger 
accepting by time the errors of the Orthodox Church. In other words, if you start doing something repeatedly over a long period of time, because maybe, you know, where you're normally going to church for some reason or another, you don't want to go there. You think it's uh, they're doing something that you shouldn't be done. You can go to an Orthodox church, but if you start going there time after time, you can fall into the habit of thinking it's just as good as being in communion with your own church, and you're not in communion with that church, and that is called indifferentism, as if somehow or another uh, any church is okay. It would be like some Catholics who think going to a Protestant service is uh, is okay to substitute for Mass because, hey, I've gone and you know on Sunday— and uh, I've uh, prayed to God and so forth, so it must be all right. It's not. And so you have to be very careful about that. Uh, it goes on here. It says, uh, if you do it habitually or for a long time, you will put your Catholic faith in danger, accepting by time the errors of the Orthodox Church, uh, and that is the refusal of the dogma of papal primacy, of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, of divorce, and so forth. And furthermore, you will give evidently scandal to other Catholics, meaning that, you know, you can set a bad example for them. They're seeing you go and thinking that it's okay and they could be doing the same thing and you should set a good example. So you have to be very careful about that if you ever do do it and you do it all in, in more or less in an emergency. And so Michael Matt goes on, he says, as I recall, Count Capone was arguing that if it can be permissible for a faithful Catholic to attend a formally schismatic liturgy according to the Code of Canon Law and only in certain extraordinary circumstances, then obviously it would be permissible to attend Masses offered by the priests of the Society of St. Pius X for the same reason, provided one does not do so with schismatic intent. Do you agree? In other words, if there are priests who are you know, in schism with the Church— in emergency, could you go to a mass offered by one of these priests, uh, even though you do not so do so with any schismatic intent, with any intent to deviate from the orthodox teachings of Catholicism? And here's the answer. Bishop Snyder says, the situation of the Society of St. Pius X cannot be co- compared to an orthodox church since the SSPX is completely Catholic regarding the truths of the Catholic faith. They recognize the current Pope. They mention the Pope and their respective local bishops in the canon of the Mass and pray for them even publicly. Therefore, the SSPX is surely not schismatic in his his mind. The situation of SSPX consists in a deficient canonical status within the Church, and this not because of their own will or evil intention, but uniquely because of the extraordinary grave crisis of the faith and the liturgy within the church, a crisis promoted and tolerated by the Holy See. That's Schneider's opinion. The conditions which the Holy See requests for the SSPX for a full canonical regularization are ultimately difficult to accept since they demand the SSPX to recognize the goodness of the new Mass and the Second Vatican Council as being as a whole part of the Catholic tradition, even though this council had by its own declaration and that of Pope John XXIII and Paul VI a primarily pastoral character and had no intention to propose to the faithful its own teachings with definitive character. Uh, this is getting a little complex here, but what he's basically saying 
is that uh, the the Vatican II did not have the intentions that a lot of people take it to have, and uh, there are deviations, uh, sometimes interpretations of Vatican II by priests uh, taking Vatican II further than Vatican II meant to go. And uh, the SSPX is sort of rebelling against that, but they're not rebelling against Orthodox Catholicism. So, in effect, he's saying that you could go to a, an or, to a SSPX max, and you would, you know, you would be Orthodox in doing so. This is a little bit, uh, you know, hazy. Uh, you would have to maybe further check this with uh, what the current Pope is saying. Uh, probably your intentions are good, and if you had to go to a mass uh, given by the SSPX rather than miss mass entirely, this would be okay. But again, I would say maybe that uh, you have to be careful about not wanting to uh, cause scandal by somehow or another giving the impression that the, the, the normal form of the mass that we have today is somehow not valid. Uh, he goes on, he says, uh, Michael Matt says, I am aware of a notorious parish which caters to homosexuals. The pastor even hosts baptismal celebrations of the adopted babies of married, so, and he's got that in quotes, in scare quotes, married, so-called married homosexual men. If a faithful Catholic has recourse to only a church such as that, would it be necessary for him to attend Sunday Mass given that the pastor's public disregard for the law of God and the church. And Bishop Snyder says here, for sure a Catholic has no obligation to attend Sunday Mass in a parish which promotes homosexuality. And of course that is a teaching you know, of our church, that this is a grave sin and that it should be rejected in any, any Mass in which a priest pretended that somehow or another homosexual men were really married to each other or that uh, babies could be baptized in such a, a setting that this is, is wrong. It's not in keeping with orthodoxy of the church and you would have no obligation to attend a mass there. In fact, if you did attend a mass there, it would be the wrong thing to do. Uh, these are things I think uh, that are specific to what's going on today. So if you find yourself in a church like that, probably the best thing to do would be to leave and not attend uh, any mass there. Given the nature of the liturgical crisis in the church today, what advice can you give faithful Catholics who have no orthodox alternative for Sunday mass? What does a Sunday morning look like for a family that feels obligated before God not to intend some kind of a illegal or abusive mass. And Bishop Nider says, if the next Orthodox alternative for Sunday mass excessively is, is excessively far distant, or for some reason, you know, very difficult to get to, the family should spend the time in the morning with prayer and dedicate a period of time, which would usually correspond to the time of a Sunday mass. In this Sunday morning, they could assist at a broadcasted worthy holy mass, but if that is not possible, they could read together the text of that Sunday Mass, do a spiritual communion using concrete prayers, pray the rosary, 
read a passage from a good traditional catechism or from the life of the saints. Once a month or every second month, depending on the distance, they should travel to a place with a worthy Holy Mass. The personal assistance of the Holy Sunday Mass and sacramental communion with a previous good Holy Confession should occupy the primary place in the life of a true Catholic. So it's saying that even if you can't get uh, you know, if it's difficult to get to a mass, a proper mass, uh, or you're living somewhere where it's distance from a, a proper mass and it's very difficult to get there, then you can do something uh, such as say the rosary uh, or listen on the radio to a, a mass or spend time in, in prayer uh, that would correspond to doing the same thing you would do at Mass in church. Now, this is not a substitute, of course, for that Mass, but it's the best you can do under the circumstances. But at least once a month, even in those circumstances, a person should take the effort and make the plans to somehow, even if it is very difficult, at least once a month to get a mat, get to a Mass that's very far away and maybe even very difficult to get to. In other words, use your common sense Go to masses that are orthodox, that they, you know, follow the proper form set down by the church, uh, and don't go to masses that deviate from the, the proper liturgy and somehow or another are doing things that are contrary to the teaching of the Catholic Church. And uh, when it comes to the diseases uh, such as COVID or other diseases, flu and so forth, Use your common sense. In some cases, even if you are a very, very devout Catholic and you want badly to go to Mass and you can drag yourself to it, you shouldn't do it. You have an obligation not to go if you are going to endanger or harm the people in, you know, that you're going to be going to Mass with at the, at the parish. So then there are times, you know, that these are times that it's obligatory that you don't go. And again, uh, you can do something else, some kind of substitution the best that you can in place of the Mass. Either listen to a Mass on the radio or TV, uh, say the rosary, do some other type of prayers. Spend about the same time doing those things as you would if you were at Mass. And then, uh, you know, do, do the best you can, of course, to uh, get yourself well and then return to Mass as quickly as you can. Do you want to add anything to that, Lynn? Okay, the only thing I have to add to that is we're talking about the Orthodox, the Orthodox Church and the uh, the Eastern Church and stuff that are in communion. Sometimes it's hard to figure it out. So just go along with what Father um, Cardinal, no, he's Archbishop, isn't he? I always think of him as a Cardinal. He's not. He should be. Well, the thing is, is that the, you know, the, the, the Orthodox Church, of course, the regular Orthodox Church is not in communion with the Catholic Church. Right. But they have, you know, the, the, the priests right. still have the power of confecting the sacraments. Right. And so we can receive the sacraments there, although we have that permission from, I think their bishop is supposed to get permission, but it may be now in more modern times that authority has been also delegated to the parish priest. In those cases, and he could give, you know, but you need to ask permission of that priest before you receive communion there, but you could. And then, of course, the uh, Eastern 
churches that are in communion with the Catholic Church, you go to Mass to them anytime you wish. It's, they're going to have a little bit different liturgy there, but they're still, you know, acceptable. Right, they're in, right. They're in communion with the, with, the, with the Roman Catholic Church. That would be like the Marianite Church and others. Right. And uh, they're a little bit different, but uh, they're perfectly okay to go to Mass there. You know, they're no problem at all. Yeah. Well, St. Michael. The Archangel. Defend, defend us, us in battle. battle. Be, be our, our protection, protection against, against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me, too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more, 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in central and northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word.